You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. It's now episode 48 of the Talking Taiwan podcast. On today's podcast, my guests are Eric Tsai and Jenny Wang, who've started a new group called Outreach for Taiwan. Join us today as we talk about what inspired them to start this new group. On this episode of Talking Taiwan, I have our guest Eric Tai, who's the president of Outreach for Taiwan, and Jenny Wang, the vice president of Outreach for Taiwan. Um, so thank you guys for taking time out of your schedule to be on the podcast. Thank you, Felicia, for having us. Good for having us. Thank you. Great. So um, I've been hearing about Outreach for Taiwan, a new organization that you guys just started. Um, and I know that both of you actually have a long personal history of your involvement in the Taiwanese-American community. Could you start by telling the audience a little bit about yourselves and how you got involved in the Taiwanese-American community first? I guess I'll start. I actually grew up in Taiwan. Uh, I was born in America, but I moved back when I was around four years old. And I grew up there until I was 18. I went to international school. Hence, you know, I had kind of had like identity with both Taiwan and America. Coming here for college, I got introduced to TASA at Rutgers, where I met Jenny. Jenny. Jenny got me in. And after that, I was really involved in it. Became vice president external for the Rutgers Taiwanese American Student Association. And essentially, after graduating, Jenny got me also in FAPA as well. And eventually, here we are. Wow, I guess we have Jenny to thank for your involvement at Outreach for Taiwan, right? <laughs> yeah, always bring me into things. <laughs> Great. And Jenny, you're no stranger to the podcast. I've had you on here before, but maybe you could also share a little bit about your story and your background. Sure, of course. I was born and raised in the U.S., and ever since I was young, my parents always emphasized to me that I'm Taiwanese-American. So growing up, I went back to Taiwan a lot, attended a lot of summer camps, and then when I got to college, I was heavily involved with the Taiwanese American Student Association. But then by this time in college, you meet a lot of people, and then you tell them you're Taiwanese, and they're like, wait, aren't you Chinese? I'm like, no, I'm Taiwanese. And anyway, so that started my journey of trying to understand why there is this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, 2010, I attended Promosa Foundation, and that's where I learned the most about Taiwan's history and U.S.-Taiwan relations. And then my senior year of college, that's when I took um, another step deeper into this and got involved with the Key Taiwan Free Movement and FAPA. Great. And FAPA is a Formosan Association of Public Affairs for people that might not know. And so you guys just came up with this idea to start uh, Outreach for Taiwan. Can you tell me what inspired you to start this? It, it kind of really just started with our understanding of the Taiwanese-American community. Both Jenny and I, you know, at Rutgers with the TASA community, we, we had a lot of fun, without a doubt. You know, there was a lot of bubble tea, food, fun, social stuff. But we realized that no one actually knew much about the Taiwan um, situations or the issues that are going on for for. Jenny. It was her, her growing up. For me, I, I grew up watching the news here and there. I didn't really think about it until, you know, after graduating and Jenny started talking to me. You know, Jenny kind of left, you know, what happened, you know? Uh, so she, you know, she wanted to do more with Taiwan than just, you know, socializing. And so I guess after that, being involved with FAPA, I really got to see the Taiwanese-American community 
be like, you know, more active about the information. I feel like there's a huge gap between the first, second generation. A lot of second, third generation Taiwanese Americans didn't know much. And for the most part was apathetic and just kind of want to distance themselves from a lot of the situations going on. And which also meant anything about history as well, too. This thing we had thinking about this for a while, but it was the beginning of March where we decided, you know, let's let's do something about it. You know, let's instead of just talking about what we want to do, let's put something into action. So we actually got together and, you know, whipped together a proposal and presented it, you know, to FAPA, our parent organization. And they started discussing about it. And while they were discussing about it, we thought, you know, might as well just get things going. And just so happens, you know, in March, the whole, the entire Sunflower movement started and it kind of pushed the momentum on even, even further. Oh, that's great. I was actually going to ask if you guys were inspired by the Sunflower movement, but it sounds like you guys were already thinking about this before that even yeah, happened, right? Yeah, it, it, was, it was quite a coincidence. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Right, Jenny, do you have anything to add? I personally believe that to know Taiwan is to love Taiwan. And I think that young Taiwanese Americans should no longer be afraid to learn about the complexities of Taiwan's history and to understand why Taiwan is not recognized in the international community. As Eric mentioned, that there is a gap between the first generation, the second generation, the third generation, and so on. So we hope to bridge that gap. And by bridging that gap, we hope to educate young Chinese Americans. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's interesting you said you hope that people don't feel afraid to learn about Taiwan. Are you referring to the Taiwanese Americans or the Taiwanese in Taiwan or both? Ah, so yeah, I feel kind of both as well too. I mean, a lot of times, a lot of people ask us, "Was like, you know, oh, so this is political? Yeah, I don't want to get into that kind of stuff." But doing some research, Jenny and I, we always see like videos, and remember one phrase that we we were watching was, um, I think it was the Formosa Foundation video, and they were Mm -hmm. saying how even though. You might not care about politics, but politics cares a lot about you. And mm-hmm. it does affect your life. And mm-hmm. it's not about parties. It's really just about the love of Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Right. And in addition, you know, it's also history as well. It's not just politics. Just knowing and understanding why Taiwan is in its current situation right now is very important. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe some people are not even aware of that because... Uh, they didn't never question that or maybe they don't completely know the situation in Taiwan so maybe they didn't even know to ask or that there is an issue right absolutely I completely agree like for me growing up I'm like yeah Taiwan of course it's a country I go there every summer and then I learned about this I'm like wait hold on Taiwan's not part of the United Nations that's absurd and then that's what I'm trying to do I'm just trying to get all these young Chinese Americans to wake up and fight Great. Yeah, I remember there was one story where we were talking at uh, the Intercollegiate Taiwanese American Student Association in the East Coast Conference, mm-hmm. and one of the students came up after after one of the workshops. I was talking to her, and she was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I was really interesting. I never knew that you know Taiwan was a part of the United Nations." And I, I was kind of shocked. I, I grew up in Taiwan, so for me, like Jenny, like this is, you know, what are you talking about? Of course, you know, it's, it's a nation, you know. But how did you not know about it either? It was just, it was just weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what do you think it is that um, outreach for Taiwan is trying to accomplish? Is it some of these basic things about educating people about Taiwan's situation? Like, what, what would you say is the mission of the organization? 
our mission is to educate. So right now there's a lot of organizations that emphasize identity and they're doing a great job. But I think the next step after identity is education. And with education, you can do a lot. You can research into issues from all sides, get a better understanding. You know, you don't want to preach to people that come to our workshops. We want them to formulate their own opinions wisely. Eric, did you want to add anything? Um, well, I guess, you know, it's pretty much, yes, yeah, education. Uh, it's It's about knowing where you come from and what matters and it's not just you know we believe that skills that we're trying to develop and for people to actually dive into different topics as well so let's just take you know for example the biggest thing recently is just like the sunflower movement there's a lot of things going on but a lot of times there are speculations from both sides a lot of times in when you're debating or discussing with people some people have a just a prejudgment on what the facts are but oftentimes our biggest question is so where'd you get your facts from? Like, where is it? Like, you know, where do you see it? Mm-hmm. And knowing your facts is how you, you know, when have a good discussion, have a proper debate about things. And it's about just like Jenny said, education and actually researching into the issues that you're talking about. Right. So I see that your angle or your method is a little bit different from your parent organization, FAPA, the Muslim Association of Public Affairs, because they're very much known for advocating for Taiwan and the Hill in D.C. and all that. But you guys are really much more interested in first educating people about the issues in the situation. Yes, definitely. And then once we educate them and they're inspired, they want to do more, then we can introduce them to our parent organization and say, hey, you know, you're interested in this, you want to do something more, then how about you go check out FAPA? And then you can go to the Hill and advocate and make a bigger difference. Great. So what are some of your ideas or, you know, the ways that you're going to actually try to educate people? Or maybe you can even talk about what you've already done. I guess to really start off is, you know, we to educate people, you have to start when you're a, li- a little bit younger, so to say, you know, old enough to know what things are going on, but not too old in the fact that you've already had your mindset. So we really want to focus on a lot of, you know, college and young professional groups and have workshops to teach them. Be like, you know, yes, you know, you might go back to Taiwan once every one or two years during the summer or whatnot, but there's so much more. So we want to focus on their education and understanding what's going on. Mm -hmm. And also a large part of it is, you know, Jenny and I, we, we watched both sides, first generation and second, third generations, you know, we've seen what goes on both sides and we feel people, you can benefit from both sides and we believe bridging the gap is what brings in, like, you know, I want, we, we want people to see what we see, mm-hmm. yeah, bridge mm-hmm. the gap between the first and second generation as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a big issue. I mean, I think it's it's common in a lot of different, for a lot of different groups. Um, there's also, there's so many Things like there's a generation gap, and then there's also, like, the people's cultural background. Like, if your parents, like, grew up in Taiwan, then their kids are born in the U.S. And there's a lot of different, like, maybe even cultural issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we've reached yeah. out to, you know, different colleges. Well, like, we, we've had our first workshop. When we started getting this, these, these things together, it was kind of nearing the end of the school year. A lot of schools were having their night markets and everything. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so but we were able to reach out to our alma mater and actually go back to Rutgers and give them a, a workshop on, you know, mm-hmm. the history of civil movements mm-hmm. in, in Taiwan, you know. And it, it, was, it was nice. And with our connections with ITASA and also TAP, Tackle, we mm-hmm. hope to reach out to more. So who would you say is your target audience? Well, our target audience 
can be actually quite broad. So we're focusing on Taiwanese American second generation. So that can be college students, that can be young professionals, just people that want to learn more. Mm-hmm. In addition, we would also like to target just young Americans that are interested about this. I want to learn more about Taiwan, why it's not in the United Nations, Taiwan, China, U.S. relations. Um, if they want to learn, we're here for them. You know, we won't judge. We're an open book. Just ask us anything, and then we'll answer it for you. And if you don't know the answer, we'll find out for you. In addition, at the first generation, we do not want to alienate international students from Taiwan. We want them to know that we're doing this and that let's all work together and work for this cause together. So um, I took a look at your website and some of the projects and things that you guys have, and I, I, saw, I saw two mentioned, the Talk for Taiwan and then the Art for Taiwan. Could you tell me what those two projects are about? Most definitely. So Talk for Taiwan is kind of like our interview series, and it's video, so it's visual, so you can sit there and watch. And the purpose of this is that we want to interview young individuals in the community. And so some people that we have interviewed have been John Lee, who is involved with SAPA, the Formosan Association of Public Affairs. Mm -hmm. We've interviewed Charles Pan, who is the president of the Taiwanese American Professionals Group in New York. Mm-hmm. And we've also interviewed Ada Chen, who was former president of the Intercollegiate Taiwanese American Student Association. Basically, the goal for Talk for Taiwan is to emphasize to our audience that, hey, you do not have to be a politician. You do not have to be an economist or you don't have to really know history. But there are things that you can do in your community that to outreach for Taiwan, to make noise for Taiwan. So that's what we hope to do for Talk for Taiwan, kind of just connect our audience and let them know that we are just like you. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea behind Talk for Taiwan. As for Art for Taiwan, we want to emphasize to people that outreaching for Taiwan does not necessarily mean going to the Hill, talking to Congress members. Art for Taiwan is that you can use your own unique ways, such as art, poetry, music to portray how you care about Taiwan and how you want to make noise for it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, over the summer, we had a local artist from Taiwan come visit. Uh, It was, um, this artist's name is Liu Zhongrong. So, Mm -hmm. like, I would just call him Liu sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Can you tell Um, me a little bit about him? Like, uh, how did he get involved? And, like, what's, is he a painter, a drawer, a sculptor? Like, what's his medium? So, artist Liu came from Taiwan over the summer, and we decided to work with him and host some Art for Taiwan events. He has been active in Taiwan, utilizing his art to get people to learn more about what is going on in Taiwan and also to spark awareness. So when he was here, we went to um, Washington Square Park, and he set up his stuff. He did screen printing on shirts and bags and everything. And it was great because people would come up and say, hey, what's going on? What is he doing? What do these words say? And then we had this opportunity to speak to them and be like, hey, in Taiwan recently there was a sunflower movement in which the people were not happy, and then Liu would use his art to express that. Great. Well, what a great idea to do it in uh, Washington Square Park where there's so much foot traffic and all different sorts of people, you know, you draw their attention. Yes, definitely. It was a beautiful day out too, so. Yeah, that's good, good. You guys are lucky. If you go on our website, we have a little section called Art for Taiwan. There you can see like our poetry or nail art or pictures that we personally saw or people submit. 
that mm-hmm. art for Taiwan. They just submit photos, right? They don't actually submit the art, art pieces to you, do they? Um, so far, no. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, there was one from a couple of years ago. I mean, we're probably going to post it later on, too. Yeah. But great. one of my friends did one, and uh, it's sitting in my living room right now. Yeah. Oh, that's great. No, oh, I mean, nice. I think this could actually be really interesting if you actually got a lot of people submitting. You could actually maybe even one day have an exhibit or something. You know, that would be a lot of fun. And um, I know that you guys are also running a crowdfunding campaign. With the crowdfunding is um, we've had this idea, you know, for about one, two years probably. I mean, crowdfunding has really been hitting a large, you know, large scene. A lot of people are doing it now. You got someone, you know, donating a couple of thousand dollars for a potato salad. And so we thought... <laughs> <laughs> so we thought wow, you know, really? Uh, is that true? You guys thought... Yeah. Really? Nice. Yeah, there, there was someone who... Like, there was a crowdfund Kickstarter for a potato salad for a couple oh, of thousand. Oh, oh, oh. I, yeah. I didn't hear about yeah. this one. That's funny. Yeah. But essentially our idea was, you know how do we generate noise, you know? And crowdfunding is really where it comes to, you know, it's not just about one donor throwing a couple thousand dollars into a certain campaign. It's about, you know, the power of the many. With crowdfunding, we have, we create a video for it in order to get the word out in a more visual point of view. And we also get the word out by more information. At the same time, all we ask for is, you know, small donations from, you know, you could do $1, $5, $50, $100. And some of the, some of the perks, you know, is t-shirts. We have, uh, keep Taiwan free bear, but then we also have you know, higher ones, you know, where we can, you can grab drinks or brunch or dinner with one of us to, you know, just further discuss about, you know, Taiwan, you know, something that we're all interested in. And, you know, our, our highest tier right now is, you know, essentially you get, you can get part of our art for Taiwan. We're still in contact with the artists in Taiwan and we really want to try to get, get it out there. Also, we have posters from the Taiwanese American Heritage Week, the original printed out copies of them. And we would love to get them out because it's, it really just symbolizes our care for, for this island, for this country. What are the funds going to actually be used for? All the donations, all the funds will go towards the planning, promotion, and execution for the Keep Town Free Rally 2014. This year, Eric and I are co-directors of the rally, actually, so we have some very big ideas, fresh new ideas, fun new ideas that we want to execute. But with anything that requires money, so that's why we turn towards using a crowdfunding campaign. The funds will go towards, like, equipment or venue or getting t-shirts made, or we're making teddy bears too. So that's what it's for. Right, and the Keep Taiwan Free Rally, in past years I noticed they actually made it like a Taiwan week leading up to the rally. Are you guys still planning on doing something like that? We're doing a couple of events leading up to it. We're, we're trying to keep it, you know, not as much just for quantity. We really want to focus down on, you know, a little bit fewer events, but really, you know, make these events great and also, you know, reach out to the proper crowd. And mm-hmm. so we are having a happy hour on Thursday, on September 11th, and also a, we're calling it 23 Million Voices, kind of a open mic, you know, performance nights on September 12th, the Friday. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So anyone can just go up and tell a joke or sing a song or do whatever? We're trying to keep it because this is our first time actually doing mm-hmm. something that's a little bit different from the usual. We yeah. do still kind of want to have a structure. So if there are anyone interested, you know, please let us know. We want to kind of have the lineup um, going into the night. And so not exactly just straight up open mic, but, you know, just 
hopefully have a schedule, but oh, yeah, people certainly. will be able to definitely join us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and when is the Keep Taiwan Free Rally this year? That's September 13th, on okay. a Saturday. Okay. And for people who don't know, um, we did actually do an interview about this, but for people who didn't listen to that podcast or who don't know what the Keep Taiwan Free Rally is, do you guys want to explain what that is and what's going to be happening? Okay. <laughs> so the Keep Taiwan Free Rally has been going on for about 20 years so far. It was years. originally wow. 20, yes, about 20. Around 20. Oh, 20 years, right. Okay. Yeah, almost as old as me. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, You're on your age now. <laughs> I, I know, oh my. So basically, this rally used to be called the United Nations for Taiwan Rally. But it was only recently that they made the switch over to the name Keep Town Free because it's more inclusive. Inclusive being that it incorporates promoting democracy, human rights, self-determination, safety, security. It's also to spread news and awareness about how Taiwan's not part of the United Nations. Great. And it's going to be happening in Times Square? Yes. Okay. It was on September 13th, 13th. uh, Saturday. 13th, yes. Right, and what time should people, can people just show up? Do they need to sign up? What do do they need to do if they want to participate? Just show up, be excited, be proud from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. If people do come, tell them to bring friends too. It'll be fun. And I guess there's also like different levels of involvement. There's, of course, there's just coming out and supporting. Most importantly, if there are people who are, you know, feel even strongly, even more strongly for this cause, you know, definitely reach out to us. And because we definitely need volunteers to spread the word about, you know, the love for this country. Yeah. And so any volunteers, let us know beforehand as well, mm-hmm. too. Well, I'm sure you guys probably need volunteers on site, too, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. If someone were to volunteer to help out on site, what would some of the responsibilities be? So if they want to help out during the event, so the volunteers can assist us with outreaching to people passing by. I mean, we're in Times Square. Thousands of people pass by every day. And if they see this rally, they'll want to know what's going on. Well, obviously, Eric and I are just two people. We can't just go around and talk to everyone. So we would like to have a little army, if you will, to go around and reach out to people and be like, hey, this is what we're about. Parents are part of the United Nations. Do you know why? Or like, oh, we're here because we want to promote democracy and freedom. And just to get them interested and to spark their curiosity and to learn more. Yeah, it's not an easy job, though. I I, I remember doing that one year. It's um, not an easy job to talk to strangers and try to get their attention. Because especially in New York, you know, people are pretty tough. You know, they'll just walk by you. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot about education, you know. Definitely volunteers, we want to reach out to them and talk to them first. And a lot of times, if you know what you're talking about, if you're educated about it, a lot of times it makes it easier to talk about it. Right. And obviously You'll feel more we, confident. Sure. Yeah, definitely. And then we also work on telling people, you know, why does it matter to other people too? It's mm-hmm. not just about you. It's about, you know, everyone else, you know, mm-hmm. reaching out to them on a personal level. And we're definitely helping to, you know, get our volunteers ready for that as well, too. Right. Well, I really appreciate both of your enthusiasm and what you guys are trying to do with Outreach for Taiwan. Our dream, our goal is, you know, if one day we didn't have to Outreach for Taiwan anymore, mm-hmm. um, you know, the fact mm-hmm. that when Taiwan becomes mm-hmm. undeniably to the rest of the world internationally through the UN that mm. Taiwan is a country that it is independent and free then i would 
be willing to just spend my weekends just, you know, doing other things. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think it's, it's really where it comes down to. And I guess from, from our knowledge, um, repeating once over and over again is, you know, Taiwan, Taiwan really isn't just all about bubble tea and night markets. It's great. I love it. We all love it. But it, there's so much more history and things that are going on now. And it's all about knowing something. When, if you really love something, you got to know that someone or something. Like, you know, the old Greek saying is, you know, know thyself. You know, you got to you gotta know about yourself, know where you come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just find it so interesting. You guys are so enthusiastic. And I just wonder, like, I talked to Jenny about this a little bit. Like, there sounds like there's something that was kind of made the switch. Because maybe initially when you're involved with the Taiwanese American Students Organizations or TASA or whatever, you didn't really think that much. It was just kind of like social, you had fun. But then at some point, you started thinking more um, because I know Jenny said that you stopped doing TASA for a while, right? Yeah, I quit my senior year. Really? Why, I left it. Why did you like quit? Well, don't get me wrong. All my memories at the Rutgers Taiwanese American Student Association are all very fond I did make a lot of new friends, and I have all these memories with them. But at the same time, you know, once you learn something, you cannot unlearn it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happened to me. I attended from its foundation. I started reading more. I started doing more research. And I was learning all this new stuff about Taiwan, and it impacted me so hard that I couldn't sit there and keep talking about bubble tea or night markets or mochi nights. I, mm-hmm. I needed to do something more. Hmm, interesting. How did you get involved with the Formosa Foundation? Like, did somebody invite you to go, or what motivated you to join the program? Oh, my other sister attended it the year before me, hmm. and she suggested that I look into it. In addition, one of the many summer camps I attended in Taiwan, one of them had a lot of people from all around the world that were not necessarily Taiwanese, but they knew so much about their own backgrounds, their own identities, and that kind of also help me take the plunge into learning more about myself. Hmm, right. It's interesting when you have a point of comparison and you see these people like identified with their ethnic background or whatever, and then you reflect on yourself, right? Mm-hmm. What about you, Eric? Was there something that um, made this shift for you? Because you have an interesting background because you grew up in Taiwan, right? Yeah, I mean, back at home, my, my family's always... I was kind of like the, the small one in my family. So most of the time, my family talks oh, about... Were you the baby? <laughs> I, I was the baby until my uh, my little cousin was born oh. back in Taiwan. And so it, it essentially came up to the point of... I heard a lot of information. And I also realized that from all sides, you know, sometimes information is biased, misconstrued in certain ways. And coming here, I guess... Sometimes I just I see things going on, especially being in Fapa, I hear a lot of things. Some mm-hmm. things I'm like, I, I never knew. I didn't know what was true or what was not, essentially. And I start, started diving into researching for myself, mm-hmm. you know. And also mm-hmm. a lot of inspirational TV shows that I always tell Jenny to watch, you know. Oh, really? <laughs> <A lot of times. laughs> yeah. You want to give us some uh, tips? <laughs> I, w- I would say um, a lot of it started from a TV show called Newsroom. Essentially, it's like a news broadcast center where they always keep diving into information, wanting to know the, the story mm-hmm. into it and not just mm-hmm. um, not just receive information, but really mm-hmm. figure out uh, the stories behind it and, you know, what it entails. Right. And I guess... It's kind of greedy in a sense. For mm-hmm. me, it was mm-hmm. the desire for knowledge. Mm-hmm. And after wanting to know this knowledge, you know, it's might be also a little bit greed and, you know, boastful. But I'm like, I want other others to know as well, too. I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, not knowing before made me so simple-minded, you know. So, so just 
going by, by my life. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I got all this knowledge. I kind of want to spread it as well to, mm-hmm. to, yeah, I was inspired. I want to help inspire others as well. Right. And how did you get involved with Papa? Well, once again, it's Jenny. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I started working in the city and Jenny yeah, was like, Hey, there's yeah. this workshop. You should come on out. Okay. And I'll, I, I should know from now on that whenever Jenny pulls me to something, you know, it could lead on to, you know, years and years of <laughs> countless hours of dedication. So <laughs> I'm going to watch out next time. Go say Jenny goes like, Hey, there's a thing going on. I want to come with. We'll watch out then. <laughs> and then you'll never look back. Your life will never be the same. <laughs> I'm very glad of it too. You know, it's taking new adventures. And I would say with Jenny's little push, you know, got me to really, uh, <laughs> it got me to really, you know, explore this area that I used to keep quiet about and just like think, but now I'm actually actively going to do things to find out about things. And last but not definitely not the least is the people that I've met. It's just, it's amazing. You know, mm-hmm. before I knew people from Tassa, mm-hmm. from TAP, uh-huh. but you know, there's a whole other area of this Taiwanese American community that I didn't know and if it wasn't for joining FAPA, you know, Jenny pulling me in, you know, meeting, you know, the president of FAPA, the, you know, the, a lot of the generations, you know, the, the older people, the, the forefathers of mm-hmm. people who started all this movement. Mm-hmm. Right, and right. It's touching. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it sounds like it's yeah. very empowering to meet people mm-hmm. like that who are actually trying to do things. Yeah. Right. It's truly inspirational when you meet these people and talk to these people. So, for example, I was the MC for the past two years at the rally. Mm-hmm. And the first year, I remember I got off stage, someone was performing, and I was walking around the barriers. And I saw one older generation man, and he was trying to speak to a passerby in his broken English. Mm-hmm. And he was so committed, and he was fighting so hard even with his broken English, and mm. I was so touched. And mm. I think it was, it was one of the many moments that I feel that it's really up to our generation because we do have the linguistic abilities to understand Mandarin and to speak English. We also understand both cultures. So if there's any time to make a difference, the time is now. Right. Very well said. So um, how can people learn more about Outreach for Taiwan? Uh, what's your website or social media channels? We have a website. It's www.outreachfortaiwan.org. From there, we have a blog going on where we share our thoughts. We also um, share the Art for Taiwan, the Talk for Taiwan that we mentioned earlier. In addition, we have a Facebook, Outreach for Taiwan, pretty simple. And we have constant updates there. We'll be talking about the rally. We share articles that we find interesting. And we also have a Twitter Mm-hmm. And it's at O-S-T-A-I-W-A-N. So at of Taiwan. Oh, okay. Great. And how's your Indiegogo campaign going? We actually just reached 50%. 50%. Yeah. And when's, when is the um, deadline? Um, September 2nd. Okay. So you guys are on Indiegogo. And how can they find you there if they want people want to make a donation? So essentially on Indiegogo, you can go, there's a long website, uh, www.indiegogo.com slash projects slash keep Taiwan free rally 2014 with a dash in between. There is also a short link, igg.me slash at slash ktf 2014. Okay, great. 
Well, thanks so much, guys, for being on the podcast, and good luck with your crowdfunding campaign. It's great that you guys are 50%. So do you guys have any events coming up in the near future for Outreach for Taiwan? Yes, we do. So leading up to the rally, we will have three events. The first kickoff event will be on Wednesday, September 10th. Special thanks to Tsunami. I'm sure everyone has heard of Tsunami before. Basically a band and the lead instrument is an Erhu. They were friendly enough and very happy to help promote the Kitar Free Movement. So on Wednesday, September 10th, they will be hosting a concert called Taiwan Allowed. Do you like that name? Do you like the yeah, play of words? Allowed, allowed. <laughs> yeah, so that <laughs> oh, will be a one. Yeah, yeah. there's two different homonyms there. Yes, allowed like A L L O W E D, <laughs> and allowed like loud because. Uh, yeah, you know, tsunami's music is kind of loud. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that will be our kickoff event on Wednesday, September 10th. The next one will be on Thursday, September 11th, and we will be co-sponsoring a happy hour with Tap New York. We're all very excited for that. In addition, on Friday, uh, September 12th, we will be having a coffee house, which we name 23 Million Voices. What's the coffee house? Are you guys actually going to go to a cafe or something? Um, right now, we're looking into some casual bars, somewhere that's comfortable with a stage where you can really get to know the people that you're there with. It's an intimate setting, and we have some musicians lined up to perform at the coffee house. Oh, okay. There's some way that I can help. I'm happy to help. But yeah, I mean, it seems like you guys are in good shape because you already got 50%. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye, guys. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Talking Taiwan. Learn more about Outreach for Taiwan by visiting their website by the same name. And stop by for some of the events they have planned leading up to the Keep Taiwan Free Rally in Times Square on September 13th. If you'd like to support the rally by making a contribution to their crowdfunding campaign, visit Indiegogo.com and search for Keep Taiwan Free. Until next time, this is Talking Taiwan. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.